the big sip. Salute. Thanks so much for being here. Nine in the morning. Nine a.m. We are getting started early. (laughs) Hey y'all, this is Gabriela, host of the Big Sip. We are here getting started bright and early, nine a.m. Sipping on some delicious wine, and this is actually special today because the wine that we are sipping on is actually made by the incredible woman who I have sitting here with me. Yeah, you heard that right. A woman winemaker, and not just a woman winemaker. Talking about a person of color who's a woman winemaker. So yes, elevate, <laughs> support, educate. This is Priyanka French, and it's so incredible to to have you here with me. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much <laughs> for this. I am uh, kind of freaking out that I'm in a radio station <laughs> right now, but this is great. Thank you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Don't freak out. We're we're just here to have a conversation, spill some knowledge for some folks out there, capture your story, and, and which is an incredible story. Um, I actually got to learn a little bit about you when we met at at an event that I was putting on for my grassroots organization over at Ashens and Diamonds. Crush and the vote. Crush the vote. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. We were so determined to get millennials, to get the Latino vote really rocking that uh, and using that towards our advantage. And uh, that's exactly what we did. The owner of Ashens and Diamonds, Kashi Coletti, so great for him to, to give us that space. And, and you so graciously volunteered to assist. And um, I'm so grateful for, for Megan too. Meg Zobeck, if you don't know her, shout out to Megan. Awesome, um, <laughs> awesome person. <laughs> such a beautiful soul that, you know, she looped in mm-hmm. so many people, so many incredible winemakers, mm-hmm. wine producers to be a part of that event so that we could we could make it successful and we could really impact voting here in Napa. So that's how you and I met. And yep. that's where I learned your story, you know, originally born and raised in Mumbai and then came here and you have just been doing the damn thing. And, and I've now <laughs> been a winemaker for Signorello for two years. For two years. That's right. I joined early 2019. I mean, I have to say something about that event. I was so thrilled to be a part of it. You know, I've been in this country on and off since 2009, but I'm still not legally allowed to vote. And I just felt like this year was so crucial in in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we need to talk more about why. Right. <laughs> I think everyone knows why. We all know why. Yeah. Um, and so I just I just wanted to see how I could best contribute. And it was such a great event. We had some great wines, which always makes things mm-hmm. better. And, you know, to see John Tudor come in there and talk to everyone about mm-hmm. the voting process, it was educational and it was inspiring. And to see people as a community come together and say, we can make a difference if we stand united. I, I walked away with the best memories of that event. So it was great. Oh, my gosh. Thanks. Yeah. I'm so glad that you did. And I and I love something that you just said right now where you said everybody purposely, thoughtfully came together for that specific event because we want to envision a world that doesn't reflect what the last four years of this administration has been giving us. And and beyond that, you know, how does that particularly look like for people here, people of color in Napa Valley? And what are things that we can be doing in our own local communities? You know, because the, the impact first starts here, right? Absolutely. It's like, yes, on a federal level, we definitely want to pay attention to that. But locally, how can you consistently make a difference to uplift the people, the most vulnerable people in your community? And, and that was our mission. And I know that's a, our huge mission now in the wine industry is how can we diversify? How can we add color to something that has been around for a really long time? The wine industry you know it's got some roots in california in europe everywhere 
but it's always felt as though it's been this like one-sided narrative and now more than ever people are really stepping up trying to say no 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 we can't keep going in the same direction look at the diversity that we have in the United States why is that not more represented in the way our makeup of our population looks like Mm -hmm. and exactly and and so then to have someone like you (laughs) be behind the wheel and and leading the charge in an incredible space as a woman as a woman of color as a winemaker uh, that's huge because that's an anomaly in our industry (laughs) (laughs) it's been a journey and you know I just I have to give credit where credit is due in some cases you know I've worked in um, a number of different wine regions in the world and I know that my experience in Napa has been exceptional and I think that Mm. there is an element of accepting your uh, limitations and then working on it that Napa for me as an immigrant has been able to do and I really value that about this community here I think if you you know look at the history for us sometimes on the other side this the change seems slow in coming Mm -hmm. but there are good people there are people that have um, stood up and are saying yes we're listening you know we want to help you make this change and I value that about Napa Valley I value that as, uh, as as an industry, we were able to go you know, to an organization like the Napa Valley Vintners and say, mm-hmm. hey, this is what is lacking in our approach right now. This is These are the points that we're not hitting. These are the things that we need to bring focus on. And the fact that the leadership there took a step back and said, you know, we need to reevaluate what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then tried to correct themselves for me that is what we need we need allies on the other side and i i really value that we have that in the region there's still work to be done don't get me wrong oh there's a lot of work to be done there's a lot of work to be done (laughs) but i just want to say thank you to the people that have stood up you know people like megan and many others yes that have said we are going to be a part of this wave that is coming through so Mm -hmm. and she's a napa for that kudos to napa yeah and like you said kudos to the people who are who are being very vocal. You know, when when this whole conversation originally started and everyone was saying, oh, we need to do more listening. Yes, absolutely. Let's listen more because when you listen, you're uh, obtaining information. You're really opening yourself to think about and absorb other people's experiences that look different from yours. Mm -hmm. But there always has to be something actionable that comes from that. And that to me is like where the next phase and step needs to be, right? It's so great that people are paying attention, opening up their eyes, but then it's like who's actually ready to do the work? Because it can't it can't just keep being done from people of color we need everybody to come together and primarily we need white allies who have been operating in this space who essentially made it look the way that it looks now to really start to consider okay how can we bring in other voices and truly uplift this to look and represent the way that our community actually looks like 100 percent hit the nail on the head i think uh and you know it's it's a joint effort it really comes from both sides and you know kind of with this since this conversation's going there i wanted to highlight two of the organizations that have come up just in this last year that I've been really fortunate and very so thrilled to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is Wine Unify that was founded mm. by Mary Margaret, Dylan Proctor, and Martin Reyes. And when they came up to me with just the base idea of it, I was so thrilled because I was like, this is amazing. I'm on the board for that organization, and just in this one year 
we've been able to give out 30 different scholarships. That's amazing. And the, the idea behind it is to provide access to education because, you know, wine, is, I mean, this is so great and we love this beverage. It comes with so many stories and culture and, mm -hmm. and, and philosophies, mm -hmm. but the access to it is limited because it is an expensive industry to get into. Right. And so that was kind of like the first question that we asked is, where is that entry barrier? And mm. the idea behind Wine Unify is to break that and mm. to make education opportunities more accessible. And so we've been able to give 30 scholarships between the WSET Level 1 certification and the Level 2 certification. That's which, amazing. Yeah, we, those the recipients that we've selected through this process, they're from all over the country and incredible, incredible group of candidates. We're so excited to see, you know, what they decide to do next mm -hmm. in the wine industry. So that's been probably the most fulfilling, you know, one of the most fulfilling things about 2020 for me to be able to have this initiative to put action. You know, right. I'm, I'm kind of like you. I'm very impatient. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, great. The conversation's awesome. But what are we doing? What are we actually doing? Of course, you know, don't give me lip service. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, let's have a conversation about this. But then what are we actually doing? Exactly. If it's just constantly talking about it, yeah. you know, our ideas are great, but if you're not bringing them to fruition, they yeah. just remain ideas. And we're in too much of a pivotal moment to allow this to continue just being an idea. And, and the fact, you know, you hit it right on the head when you said the word access, because mm -hmm. that's what this is all about. Mm -hmm. It's about access to the education. It's about access to even just being able to experience wine mm -hmm. as a person of color, knowing that, yes, this beverage is for you too. It's not just, you know, for a specific person that looks a type of way that has a, a specific income that can only drink this wine mm -hmm. how do we make it so that we really broaden that depth because there's so many different people whose hands touch this wine mm -hmm. prior to it getting into mm -hmm. your glass and if you think about the diversity just in all of those people it should absolutely be accessible to then everybody because there are so many different stories and, and humans that have basically sewn this product to when it finally arrives to your table and you get to enjoy it. And, and you know, we're so lucky that our consumers want to know these stories. Mm -hmm. That is, in my opinion, what really kind of differentiates wine and the whole beverage sector is our consumers are educated. They want to come into the winery and they want to know who is doing the vineyard stuff? How are they doing it? Why are they making these choices? Who are the people behind this product? What was the idea behind this estate? Like, people want to know these stories, and mm -hmm. God, Napa has no shortage of them. Mm -hmm. We have so many incredible stories of people that have risen from grassroots, immigrants that have come. I mean, the history of Napa is founded on these um, immigrants. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's 100%. an incredible story to be telling and to continue telling for us. and. I think if we just did it in a way that everyone in the room can relate to it, because there is every reason for a story to be told mm -hmm. in that way, that we will, you know, this the beverage and the appreciation for this beverage will continue to grow. 100%. And, uh, and then, you know, slowly you educate your consumers and you kind of bring them along uh, the whole path. Through the journey with Through, you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Before we get into the second organization, that just, that sparks my curiosity on knowing your journey, knowing that you immigrated to this country, originally born and raised in Mumbai. What did that look like for you? And how did you know wine was your passion? How did you end up in Napa Valley? How did you know you wanted to be a winemaker? Walk me through, th through that journey 
in and of itself because I know you've got a story to tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, I still pinch myself sometimes driving down Silverado Trail, you know, especially if the sun's setting and mm. it's just hitting the tops of the harvest vines season and, and it just smells like the, wine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's hard it, to pick a favorite season here. <laughs> yeah, and you, you, you just got to take a second sometimes to count gratitude for being here, mm. for being in this valley and how pretty it is. But it's been a journey for sure. So I'm born and raised in Mumbai. Um, my parents are both in the academic side. So my dad's a scientist and my mother taught physics at a graduate level. So oh, wow. literally, no. <laughs> I am the, no pressure. the least intelligent person in my family. Hey, you make wine and that has science and art embedded in that. So I, I would not say that about yourself. <laughs> um, but I, I was fascinated by the interaction of sciences. So I never wanted to do a pure science. I wanted to do a field that kind of brought together uh, different aspects of science. And in order to do that, I chose to do my undergrad in food engineering and technology mm. and that was kind of like a broader introduction into the industry if you will and as an undergrad you know when I was trying to figure out what's next we did a couple of field trips to production facilities and to food processing facilities to get an idea of what lies after college right. and one of the first places we went to was a spice processing um, factory which was great it was so incredibly <clears throat> educational but it was one of those things that, you know, you, you have a mask on and everything is, it's just an overwhelming sensation. And I was mm. just like, well, this is really cool, but maybe not for me, not for me. <laughs> and then the next place we went was a cookie factory, which again was great. But then you have your hair nets and your mm -hmm. food suits and you got to be, you know, completely compliant in terms of food safety. And I'm like, OK, also very great. But um, I don't know. And the last place that we went to was Sula Vineyards, one of the first wineries in in India and it's uh, located in Nasik a couple of hours out of Mumbai where I was born and raised and it was harvest season so that I, was cool for you to see that I don't think you need to say anything more than that you're you like know? I immediately fell in love it, it was it really was love at first sight because it you know the landscape was gorgeous mm -hmm. the beverage the final product was great but the whole process of seeing it go through and what you know the the intention with which it was mm -hmm. picked and the intention with which it was created for me it was just like this hits everything it has as you said scientific background there's so much to know from a technical point of view mm -hmm. but and at the end of it it's your creative expression it's your art it's your craft it's your interpretation of what the terroir is of what mm -hmm. the fruit is of what you want to see in the bottle and I thought that that was so fascinating so I just kind of jumped headfirst didn't really know a lot probably knew three <laughs> varietals because those were the ones you could find in India what were you drinking in India uh, a lot of Shiraz okay. actually uh, a lot of Shiraz and uh, for the whites India actually makes some really good Sauvignon Blancs and Chenin mm. Blancs. And mm. so literally those were the three varietals in you. Is that why we're passionate about this Sauvignon Blanc that you made? You know, so <laughs> I have a story. I have a history with Sauvignon Blanc being one of the first wines that I ever started tasting officially. Mm -hmm. And then um, I went to New Zealand in 2012 to continue kind of my winemaking experience, if you will. And we made a lot of Sauvignon Blanc. 
in New Zealand, and that's where I ended up meeting my now husband. And oh, <clears> everything <throat> happens for a reason. <laughs> yeah, you know, made a lot of decisions that ultimately brought me back to Napa, and you know, here I am in front of you today. So Sauvignon Blanc has a special place in my heart. Sauvignon Blanc led you to love, and it led you to Napa. Yep. <laughs> in a way, in a way, yeah. And so I did, and my my uncle was in the um, hotel industry, so he was kind of seeing wine as a consumer product start to grow and so mm -hmm. he was one of the first people I confided in and said hey so I'm thinking about doing this wine thing and he was just like do it yeah it's so cool it's gonna be so great my parents were not as enthusiastic I was gonna say was there a reason why you went to your uncle first and confided in him where it was like this nerve-wracking feeling that your parents were gonna say absolutely not yeah and and well they didn't say absolutely not they thought I was joking <laughs> They were just like, is that even a thing? In fact, um, after I got admission at UC Davis, I moved here, I think it was August of 2009, and my father was able to visit me the following year in January, and when he went back home, he told my mom, he's like, it's an actual thing. Like, <laughs> there's a school, and they have classrooms and laboratories, and my mom was just, you know, she was confused. She goes, what did you think you were sending your daughter away for? <laughs> So they've been growing with me, um, and they love it now. They love coming to Napa. They love sitting down and talking about wine. So it's been a journey for all of us, and it's been fun. You know, we, as I said, I studied at UC Davis and met some of my closest friends that are still friends in the industry for me, and I think that was probably one of the reasons I decided to come back to Napa was because I had this amazing network of people that I'd started to grow with and learn with. And, and so I studied at Davis, uh, worked in Napa at Louis Martini. That was my first real mm. harvest experience. And God, the seller crew just held my hand through the whole thing. You know, they were like, this is what it means to rack. And, you know, this mm. is what it means. And it's what I needed because I, I really did. I came with not a background at all and so my I think journey of learning had to be exponential compared to a lot of other people so it was hard work and then I decided to travel I said U.S. is great my ultimate intention and it still remains is to make wine in India is to go back and contribute to the industry back home but um, I just knew I still had to learn there was so much more to learn so I chose to travel went to um, France worked in Burgundy and Ooh. Cognac and Bordeaux which, That's so cool oh my gosh it's great <laughs> Any and favorite memories? Countless. 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 You're just and like, you can't ask that question. No. <laughs> you cannot. You cannot. And uh, it was, you know, I met great people. A lot of people say, you know, the, the French tend to be closed sometimes. And mm -hmm. that was not my experience at mm -hmm. all. I mean, in Burgundy, you know, we'd have these big round tables of all of us from the winery sitting down and then you would sing a song at the end of the thing and <laughs> like culturally it was so there was such an underlying connection to the Indian culture like everyone was loud and liked to have fun and wanted to sing and eat food and you know just be celebrate boisterous. life yeah, yeah. And, and I was I said I can fit right in here this mm -hmm. is great and from there, went to New Zealand and then went back to India to work for almost a year. But I was doing uh, barrel sales because it was a point of entry for me to be able to just go and study the industry back home. And at the end of it, the winemaking bug had hit me too hard. And I decided to come back to Napa to continue to become a winemaker. 
Look at you. Yeah. And when you came back to Napa, where was where was the first place you went? I was at Stag's Leap for um, almost nine nine to eleven, no, probably nine to ten months. Okay. That I was with them, and uh, it was great. I got to work. There's two different sellers at Stag's Leap. They have their reserve seller, which is the historic seller that's you know I think 150 plus years old now, and then there's the more modern winery that they do some of the larger blends with treasury, and so. To see that whole scale of winemaking, mm-hmm. I just, uh, it was great. And I knew right away that the smaller end, smaller scale, kind of more focused style was what I wanted to do. And after that, was fortunate to get the job that I did at Dolivale Vineyards. Mm. Stayed with them for five years. Probably would never have left, but <laughs> this opportunity at Signorello came my way. And it was just too good to be true. And I took it. That's the beauty of life is sometimes we don't we don't even know where the road is headed. We just know what makes us feel good, you know, and, and wanting to just chase more of that mm-hmm. is eventually where you end up being led into right where you knew you, you wanted to be, but didn't know exactly what the word was to say like, yes, this is that space for me. And, and you found it. You mm-hmm. found it in multiple places across the world. And it all just uh, eventually still kept leading you, leading you back here. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's true of anyone that decides to follow your passion I mean same for you you know your journey to to becoming where you are today was probably so fluid as well but the Mm -hmm. one thing that was consistent was your passion Mm -hmm. for it and I think with me I'm a can go with the flow kind of person and I just let I just let the journey kind of take me but my end goal was clear of where I wanted to be and where I wanted this passion to take me and it's just been a wild ride so it's been great yeah and and congratulations to you seriously just n- knowing and thinking about that entire journey and i love that your uncle was so supportive because that's important too mm-hmm. you know when you want to have those dreams and you want to chase your passions even if you don't have the support around you and you still want to do it that's great but it's when you do have that support mm-hmm. that it really makes you feel and believe a little bit more in yourself and you're just like yes all right i've got my support system i've got my head on right we don't know where we're going, but I'm driving this bus and yeah. we're moving forward. <laughs> totally. And I think in some ways, I tend to stem a little bit of inspiration from the naysayers as well. You know, mm. the, if you tell me no, then I definitely want to do it. Yeah. You're like, let me let me show you why your no is going to be my yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in, in, a, in, a, in a lot of ways that really pushes me to be even more brave, you know, mm. maybe braver than I would have probably been if I had a hundred percent support behind me Mm -hmm. you know my parents they've been so supportive in in their way it's it's a strange field for them but you know they've never backed out on their support in terms of okay you're doing what you're doing but at the same time it's it's like it's on you and for me, that's great because I'm like, yeah, it is on me mm-hmm. and I will I'll I'm show approve you. you. Yeah, I'm going to show you that yeah, I can do this exactly. and not just do it, but rock it stellarly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I, th- I think, you know, take it, you know, what it, whether it's positive encouragement or, you know, maybe not the support you're looking for, just take it in your stride mm-hmm. and, uh, and let it fuel you in the way that pushes you forward yeah and and that's important in in everything that we do you know because it's it's not always going to be perfect it's you're not always going to get the yeses you're not always going to get the doors that open up but you can allow those moments to 
to block you or mm-hmm. to keep you stagnant, you know? Maybe for a while I can absolutely understand if something is, is crushing you because maybe you had a goal and you weren't able to achieve it. Yes, allow yourself to feel those emotions, but then put those boots back on, strap them up, and get to work. Yep, yep. Because you, you're the author of your own story, of your own life, and if you've got the destination and you know your marker, you know your goal, you know what you're hungry for out of life, just keep working every day towards those steps. And eventually, I'm a really, really, really big believer that nothing that you ever do in life will lead you astray if you're always putting your best foot forward towards the direction of what you're trying to accomplish. It might not always look pretty mm-hmm. uh, or be in the way of, you know, for you to receive it in the way that you thought you were going to, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that it's not going to get you an, an abundance of blessings in some way, shape, or form that maybe you didn't know you were going to receive it in. A hundred, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. And I think the journey is the most important part because in the wine industry, for example, you know, I had a lot of my friends that aren't in the industry from back home and they'd be like oh my god your life is incredible you know you're traveling to France and then you're going to New Zealand and now you're in Napa but you know in the back of my head I'm going yeah and I'm going to be cleaning drains tomorrow so (laughs) (laughs) it's not all glamorous you know but but I knew what I was doing and I knew the payout I was at least I was hopeful for the payout Mm -hmm. stick to your dream and the early parts of every dream are tough I think they're meant to be tough because Mm -hmm. that's where you kind of figure out what it takes for that next step. And then Mm -hmm. the next time a challenge comes up, you're better prepared and you just kind of grow that way. So take the time to say, well, that was a loss and learn from it. But then, Mm -hmm. as you said, the next day, say, all right. New day, new me, and, yep. and keep doing it. Keep yep. doing you. Yesterday was Tuesday. Tomorrow's <laughs> Wednesday. It's a new day. We're all good to go. Yep. Whatever that looks like. Absolutely. I love that. And I love that you have such a such a positive framework in your mindset where, where I can easily tell that no matter what is thrown your way, you look at it as, as like a challenge and you're like, maybe not ideal, but hey, we're going to figure this out and we're going to push through. And that is the attitude that you have to have in life. I I have come to find out through so many, again, everybody faces adversity to some level, to some degree. Um, And some of us, you know, get it a little bit more rough than others, Mm -hmm. but they all teach you something about yourself, something about that next level phase of your growth, whether it be for something that you're passionate about, that you're working towards, something completely unrelated, whatever that looks like, as long as you keep pushing forward, uh, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And, And I love that you happen to point out that your friends were like oh my gosh you're so lucky because I think people so quickly are always going to look at the the highlights right the best parts and be like look at all these incredible things you're doing and yes everyone when you're accomplishing your goals feel proud of yourself toot your own horn (laughs) you are doing incredible things you're doing incredible things but they don't ever know the sacrifices Mm -hmm. that it took to get there the late nights the fact that sometimes you might be going two weeks straight in a row without Mm -hmm. a single day off working like 16 hour shifts and to some people they wouldn't be able to do that it would Mm -hmm. break them and so there's also this other challenge to where you almost gain a deeper appreciation for yourself 
and the work that you do because you know the the hard effort that you're putting in day in and day out to be able to enjoy the glamorous side of that. And right. that's why you do get to reap the benefits because, hey, the fruit of my labor led me here and it was my blood, sweat, and tears that is now allowing me to enjoy the, the fruitfulness of whatever's <laughs> in my glass. Yeah. And, um... <laughs> You know, with that, I think I want to talk about the Batonage Forum because, you know, you pointed out rightly that there are challenges when you're trying to grow in an industry, and especially in an industry where there isn't a lot of representation, mm -hmm. where there isn't, you know, where your entry or you being in a room is is different. It's something people go, wait, you're from India? Or, you know, do Indians drink wine? And so there are a lot of challenges to that. And as I said, I've had very supportive people that I was fortunate that came into my life that, you know, kept pushing me forward. But I also know a lot of people haven't had that. Mm -hmm. And so with Batanaj Forum, I'm very incredibly fortunate that I put forward a concept of a mentorship program. And Sarah and Stevie, who are the original founders, jumped on it, as did Katie and Rebecca, who currently handle and organize the forum. The forum's three years old now, and it's it was designed to initiate conversations for women in wine. I love that. And, uh, and you know, it, it's true, the challenges of being a woman in this industry, and not just on the production side, mm -hmm. you know, across the board, yeah. is uh, difficult. And I think one of the biggest issues probably is that balance between professional and personal mm -hmm. you know with the hospitality industry you have late nights you have long days big events production side harvest yeah. kind of takes over your life yeah. and things like that and and so to recognize those challenges and then to be able to say all right i made it through but what can i do for the next person so they don't have to go through right or they 100%. don't feel this like oh i'm exhausted type type feeling Thing. yeah and so we've uh, launched a mentorship program with a focus for underrepresented minorities to give them access to industry leaders Hell yes yeah. <laughs> to give them access to industry leaders and uh, it's it's a phased program so that we are rolling out level one in january and what it basically does, it gives you an opportunity to be able to speak to women that have done it, that have made it, and kind of just get their insight of what their challenges were and what they thought were best solutions that worked for them. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to grow the program into a level two and level three that is a little bit more of an intimate connection where a mentor gets matched with a specific mentee and with level three, that converts into an actual work opportunity regardless of you know, your your previous experience or things like that. It comes down from this connection that you've made with a mentor. That's incredible. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's valuable because when you, um, when you know of other people that have gone through it, when you are able to just pick up a phone and say, this is the issue I'm facing right now. Um, what did you do? How did you figure mm -hmm. it out? You, it may not be the solution that you choose to implement in your life, but at least it gives you an idea. It gives framework. you a framework to work from. And so uh, very excited for the Batonage Mentorship Program that 
we've already got 50 mentors. Oh my gosh, yes. In level one. And uh, we set out to have 100 mentees and we're officially next uh, week going to announce 143 <gasps> mentees. So That is amazing. Yeah. That is, and clearly a clear indication that there is no shortage of women who really are passionate about this space, want to keep operating in the spaces, but want to be surrounded by people who understand and recognize the challenges that they're mm-hmm. facing by trying to, again, entry to barrier, mm-hmm. right? What does that look like for a person of color? What does that look like for a woman in an industry that has always been heavily male dominated? Mm-hmm. And how can we provide resources, tools, information so that people don't feel like they're being lost through all of all of the, the complications and the uh, emotions that sometimes come with navigating that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So two really, you know, great things that have come out of 2020. I'm excited. It's not all bad. Yeah. Thanks for giving me the opportunity (laughs) to share that with you. But we hope that it will grow. You know, we hope that people will walk away with a really positive experience from this because Mm -hmm. uh, these are just efforts and hopefully it will result in a community that has empathy, that has compassion, that is actively listening and making it happen making it happen i think that you are you are setting up the world for that you know five ten fifteen twenty years from now we'll look back and we'll really value and appreciate what we've been able to build sustainably yes and i think that's the that's the other key part is how can you keep sustaining these things you know we don't want them to just be once you know this one time thing or or for the conversation right now that's so exciting where people are are eager to learn and to really change and enter into a different phase and just we can't just let it end right here and it's like we have to just keep sustaining those conversations so that we really can absolutely change the dynamic and the direction that we've all been heading into when it comes to to this specific industry yeah absolutely and as I said, <clears throat> there are great people that are doing it. You know, your first guest was Mariam, and she, in my opinion, is kind of the epicenter of a lot of these efforts. The mm-hmm. diversity. She's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you say enough good things about her? Uh, but she started the Diversity in Wine Leadership Forum, and it gave all these different organizations that are coming up to work towards this cause, a platform to come together and say, okay, we're all working in our different fields, but what do we have in common? Yeah. How, do, how do we as organizations support each other? Because at the end of it, the growth has to be sustainable and mm-hmm. wholesome. And mm-hmm. we don't want any of these to fail. I mean, I said at that forum, the end goal is for all these organizations to not need to exist anymore. Oh, that is so powerful. The ultimate end goal is that we want to shut down because there is no need to have this conversation anymore for we still need equality. But to get there, we have to work together. Right. Yeah. Yep. And it's going to take absolutely everybody for equity, for equality, for that access. Um, and it's not just going to be from one from one person. Nope. So um, it takes us all. So if you out there, think about yourself. <laughs> How do you take yourself every single day in every space in which you operate in and just try to put forth more good? How do you challenge, you know, the people in your circle to think about ways of being more inclusive, ways of bringing more equity to the table, ways of bringing equality to the table if you sit on the board of certain things if you are in a power position how are you uplifting others with you because that's the other thing is is sometimes there are certain people who get up to the top 
and they're so excited that they got there as they should be because mm-hmm. maybe they kicked ass trying to get there but you can't be the only one that remains there like what no. do you like what have you said you honestly built and what kind of an impact did you actually have if if everything just stayed with you no totally you know and expanding that table I think you know there's a lot of such such great quotes about um, take people along with you mm-hmm. and I don't think um, it it's necessarily more work because at the end of the day you walk away with real connections mm-hmm. with real intimate personal relationships with people that share your passion mm-hmm. that are equally dedicated and in many ways that relationship is twofold because you're giving to them but they are also giving so much back to you 100%. i mean i really see mentorship and all of these kind of relationships being a two-way channel Mm -hmm. and it's not just you giving 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 but you're also receiving Receiving. so much receiving feedback receiving ways to make it better to get it you know bigger so i think you know the bottom line really is conversation conversation yep i feel like that's just what we need to focus on is let's just talk and let's see what we can get out of it and then what we can do together to really make something happen Mm -hmm. about it to create and take those actionable steps 100 percent I'm so blown away sitting here just like as you've been talking and I'm looking at you and I'm just like, man, you know, when people say sometimes you'll get people who are like, it's too hard. Like, I don't know if I can do it. Da, 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 da. We make a thousand excuses for ourselves sometimes, usually out of fear that we don't want to do things. And you you it just you gave me the impression that you throw fear out the door every single time. Not that it doesn't exist, but that oh, you don't allow it to exists. dictate yes. your decisions. <laughs> Cause like you you tackled this space, you entered the wine industry, and you're not just you didn't just enter the wine industry and, and became a winemaker and you left it at that. You're actively looking and searching for how can we continue building up and you're doing that with like you just mentioned wine unify sitting on their board trying to figure out you know this incredible mentorship scholarship recipients you're doing that with the batonage forum i know how crazy busy winemakers are and for you to be doing all of that and then on top of that trying to make sure that you're also uplifting and supporting and educating so many other voices that are coming underneath you um i i hope anybody tuning in just recognizes the incredibly important and and amazing work that you specifically are doing uh, because it's not easy thank you it's not but it needs to get done and as i said there are i'm not the only one there are Mm -hmm. good people that are putting their time and efforts into it and it's it's a growing movement and i think that's what makes it so powerful you know hopefully someone who's listening today will go on to the websites of these organizations Mm -hmm. and eventually will join our growing community and as it grows the work that i have to do gets a little smaller because there's more people (laughs) there's more people to do it but for me it's that's what that's what this field has been about you know i mean even if you just look at wine the process of making wine is such a group effort you know Mm. my the crew that i have in my vineyard is literally i mean i couldn't do anything if they weren't there supporting the decisions that i'm requesting in the field to actually translate Mm -hmm. i wouldn't you know my my support in terms of our cellar master our support in terms of the owner of signorello that has committed to making all these changes to the winery and signorello is a classic story of growth in adversity you know Mm. the the winery burned down in 2017 2017. Mm -hmm. it was the only winery in napa that was the first hit that was the first time that 
you know, people were like, wow, this actually happened. And I, I remember watching it on CNN and I remember hearing Ray Signorello because he's based out of Vancouver, BC. He's mm -hmm. not, uh, he doesn't live locally in Napa. And he came down, he was able to come down two days after the fire. And the only way he could see his property was with the news crew because mm -hmm. they were the only ones that had passes to be able to go through. And so the first time he's seeing his winery and not just his winery, his family home, you know, yeah. his parents lived, their residence was on top of the tasting room at Ignorello, as was his. And uh, none of that stood there anymore. And he just looked around and he said, we're fortunate that no one got hurt. Not a single member of our whole Signorello team has been personally affected by this. Our vineyards are fine and we'll rebuild. And for him to be able to say that literally within minutes of seeing devastation like mm -hmm. that, I mean, I think it was such a huge push to the community the minute he said oh we will rebuild we'll be fine and you feel you know, that same sentiment exists today with yeah. 2020 you know we've reached out to a couple of wineries that unfortunately suffered the same loss that we did in mm -hmm. 17 in order to offer our support and to kind of let them know what worked best for us and you know because you've next, been there yeah best next steps and to see everyone's commitment to, no, 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 yes, this was terrible that happened, but what is the best thing we can get out of it? And for me, that reflects the Napa community. It always has mm -hmm. reflected the Napa community. And um, Napa I, strong. Napa strong. I think, you know, we'll just, at some point, it's going to have to be Napa stronger, but... <laughs> 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 but that's, uh, yeah, well, they keep giving us these challenges every year. <laughs> and we just keep punching back. <laughs> yeah. So to have the incredible support of our team at Signorello, we have a lot of uh, exciting things in, in the pipeline. A few of those got pushed back because of, you know, the world shut down and the yeah. global pandemic. It was happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with all of that that happened. But once again, you just got to take adversity in your stride. And as we said in the beginning of this, take your time to deal with the loss. Mm. You know, give yourself a moment to deal with the grief and the loss. And then the next day, put your boots back on and say, get to work. Get to work. That's mm -hmm. the only way to keep doing it. The only way to keep doing it. Gosh, oh man, I love sitting here with you and talking about these things. You're so enlightening and your story. What I'm curious, what excites you then knowing and hearing that you have all of these exciting projects in the works with Signorella specifically as the woman winemaker leading them forward in that charge? So many things. We've you know, we've really had a chance with Ray to sit down and look at the history of Signorello. You know, this has been a winery that has been in Napa over 40 years, and we have some incredible wines uh, that, you know, the previous winemakers have crafted and that have that speak for themselves about the quality of the estate and what we're able to do. So to be able to take that journey forward to continue the legacy of this winery is is a huge honor for me. I'm only the third winemaker in the history of Signorello, which... Kudos to you, girlfriend! <laughs> yes! <laughs> which, for me, is exceptional, you know, to, to know that there were two people that really took over and stewarded this estate, and now I have the honor to be able to do that is You're exciting. The keeper. Yeah, um, but I think 
what really hit home for me and one of the reasons that I knew this was where I wanted to go was in my initial interview process with Ray, he said that a huge part of all of his intentions with which he's coming into what we're affectionately calling Signorello 2.0 is because he wants his daughters, who are young Mm -hmm. right now, to eventually see themselves being able to take over the family business. And his words were, you know, if they see someone like you doing it, then (sighs) they know that... It's possible. It's possible. It's very much something that, you know, they can take up and they will excel at. And I love that. I love that mm-hmm. we're not looking at it just from from the next five years point of view. We're looking at it from a legacy of keeping it a family-owned, yep. estate-driven winery. And for me, that long-term vision is, is so key because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you take those small steps every day, but that long-term goal to have it consistent and clear and precise, for me, that's really exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. And and that's why representation matters, because mm-hmm. other people get the opportunity to really see themselves through others who exist in those spaces. Yep. And if you don't have anyone who exists in that space, then you start to doubt yourself in, in being able to ever attain that. And, yep. and the fact that he, you know, being the owner, being the person who has curated this, uh, that he's thinking in that way and that he's looking at you as, as being that steward, the the lights to guide everybody forward, but also be that light for his own legacy to continue that generational cycle uh, is, a, is a beautiful thing. It is. It's just it's such a wholesome way to look mm-hmm. at the at the whole, you know, the big picture. And I just I really enjoy working with him. I actually have a story because you said representation. And when uh, I went to my parents early on, this was 2007, probably. And I said, hey, I'm thinking about this wine thing. You know, I'm going after I had yeah. after I had a couple of uh, days to figure it out and I know planned out my conversation. You um, had to plan out your conversation yeah, to your parents. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. You know, you know, You're like strategically, how am I going to tell? Yeah, this? These, these are my pros. <laughs> what am I anticipating they're going to ask that I can immediately hit them back yeah, with? Yeah, yeah. Got to go prepared into these situations, you know. Um, and one of the first questions my father asked me was, "Well, do women even do?" this mm. and when you're young um I, I think I took that I took the question in a very what are you even talking about you know kind of way but it it did start a question in my mind of well who are the women that are doing it and so the next time we sat down as a family to discuss my future career <laughs> option um I made a powerpoint presentation about women <laughs> winemakers I love you <laughs> I did. I said, you know, these are the different wine regions and these are the women that have not only that are not doing it now that have been doing it. Mm. And uh, one of the people that was in my presentation was Celia Welch. Mm. Uh, And now she I I get to work with her on a regular basis as my consulting winemaker. That is so So incredible. For me, that is the power of representation. You know, you identify the people that inspire you. Because they exist. You just mm-hmm. have to, you kind of have to do your homework mm-hmm. to find them. And once you have found them, learn about their journeys, learn about what they did, the steps they took. And, you know, there's so many opportunities to interact with these icons, these leaders. And when you do get a chance to do that, make the most out of it, mm-hmm. you know. And I've never come across anyone that I've gone forward and said, you know, I admire you and I would love to learn these aspects. And no one's ever said no. 
Right. You know, but you just you just have to take that first step. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're scared when we're going to yeah, take it. Yeah, yeah. No one likes rejection. But everybody's everybody's pretty much willing to be an open book. Yeah. But you have to kind of be the one to say, what's the worst thing if I send her an email? I don't lose anything. But no. send that email. Mm-hmm. Reach out. You know, reach out to people that push you. Reach out to people that you sit in a room with and you go, whoa, that is that is an incredible person. I'm inspired today. You know, mm-hmm. and I think when you surround yourself with people like that, um, it just that inner drive in you gets gets fueled a lot more. So mm-hmm. representation matters. It does. Yeah. So now I'm curious, who who inspired you then on your journey towards becoming a, a winemaker? Who do you continuously draw inspiration from operating in this space at, as a winemaker and a woman of color? Uh, I mean, so many people and in, in many different ways. I would say one of you know, my earlier, earliest mentors, if you will, or uh, someone I looked up to was Rajat Bar. you know, mm-hmm. even in the wine industry in India, he had already uh, created his, uh, just his brand, and you knew the things he was passionate about, and I have not had a chance to meet him personally, but I continuously read about his journey, and, you know, he's into regenerative agriculture now, and he's constantly growing and evolving and, and taking up another issue and seeing what he can do best in his position to create a change for it, and I, I think that is so valuable. In terms of, you know, women winemakers, honestly, some of my biggest inspiration are my colleagues mm. that are doing it with me. You know, um, Megan is a huge one. Maya Dalavale that is taking over at Dalavale Vineyards mm-hmm. is a huge inspiration for me. KK at Bryan uh, Vineyards and Winery. And there's this um, crop of women winemakers that exist in, in Napa and that are doing it at the highest caliber possible. And to have that in your age group and, you know, with people that uh, you have dinners with is, is the most amazing thing. So I would say right now, my friends are probably my biggest inspiration. Oh my gosh, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, that's, that's sweet. And I know you're perfect. You're not purposely trying to be cheesy, but I love all the cheese, Um, but it's true. You know, if, if, and that's the beautiful thing is, is you don't get to experience this on your own. You are surrounded by some phenomenal women who are right now also just trying to figure out how do we keep growing this Mm -hmm. and to have that support and to have people in your in your same age group that you said you can sit down have dinner with just chat about how are we both all together individually and then together going to really change the makeup of what this industry looks like and not make it feel like we're the select few group but that other people who are really passionate and driven to want to enter this space that they can Mm -hmm. and that they have people like you people like (laughs) megan to to look up to you laugh but i'm so serious i'm so serious no thank you that's that's very kind You're, you're incredible. So I, I heard you earlier talking about how one of your original goals is to go back to Mumbai and mm-hmm. to create something there. What what would that perfect vision look like for you? Or what are your hopes then for the future and, and you specifically continuing to operate in this space? I really, you know, I did have a lot of connections with the Indian wine industry early on. Uh, So when I went back in 2013, worked there for almost close to a year, I did quite a, you know, a couple of different things. I was uh, working towards establishing a cooperage in the market in India. And so at that time, 
the work, the way I chose to go about it was to educate the winemakers about oak, you know, mm. to, to talk about, to set up trials and tasting stuff, because those kind of educational opportunities weren't as available. You know, there's no, you know, real university that's dedicated to learning winemaking or mm. to learning enology. And so I thought that to bring that information to the industry would be so valuable and it, it was it just wasn't my passion i wanted to get into winemaking so i hope that when i get a chance to go back uh, you know i'll be able to kind of sit down with someone and say this is where i see indian wines going in the future and i'd love to be a part of that uh, mm -hmm. process. I think um, a huge thing also is consumer education. Mm. The wine consumer market in India is growing tremendously. And, you know, of course, there's the challenge of this year that has kind of put a halt on it. But there are so many opportunities to go out there and educate the, the, the consumers about what goes behind this beverage and mm -hmm. why does it cost as much as it costs. And I'd love to be a part of that movement of bringing people along. And I think, once again, you know, when they see someone... I, I've met so many Indians that love wine, and when they meet me, they go, whoa, an Indian winemaker? That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think the more people that I hear about it, the more people that will come into the industry. I already have about five students currently in India that want to get into the winemaking side, and I hope they do. I hope it grows. We have about 25 wineries, 25 main wineries, a lot more labeled in India. So it's a growing industry, and I'd love to see it thrive. I'd love to see Indian wines in you know the global market wine market mm -hmm. at some point you know even in just tastings and getting rated and kind of getting acknowledged on a global platform and absolutely hopefully in the future I can I can help do that be a part of that yes it's part of the magic that's making that happen I would not be surprised if you were and I am excited for that journey to continue and to keep watching that that happen to make it come to fruition um, knowing you and just the dedication that you have to to keep advancing that narrative forward i am, am in no way going to be surprised if you make that come to fruition uh, fingers crossed fingers crossed fingers yes crossed. and then it's also important because you want to be able to again you know yes we want to see diversity represented through the people actually doing the work but then let's also start bringing in those narratives of Indian wine, of Latin American wine, and Absolutely. appreciating it and valuing it the same way that people get all giddy and excited about talking about Napa Valley wine, mm -hmm. wines coming from Burgundy, from Bordeaux, you know, all of these other regions that people are very familiar with. Mm -hmm. But it's like, how do we uplift this whole other side? Because there are phenomenal wines coming out of Latino America. Oh my gosh, absolutely, yeah. And while I've never been able to taste the wines coming from India, I get excited because I look forward to the day that I, I'll have that opportunity because there are people who are still producing phenomenal work in their own respective countries across the world. Yeah. And, and we need to bring more attention to that. And for me, you know, that it just speaks back to the core of what wine is. Wine is a universal beverage. Wine mm. is a social beverage. Wine mm -hmm. is something that you sit, you know, you have on the table and it stimulates conversation about everything, about uh, society about culture about arts about music about yep. you know everything that is out there to appreciate and everyone has their own version of that to bring to the table mm -hmm. and so I, I just find I feel like the more we look at it as a universal beverage the more that we can really use this industry to push 
things forward mm-hmm. and uh, I'm excited for it I'm excited for the future <laughs> of wine I think there's a huge conversation that's going on right now and it's incredible there's good people leading it and uh, I'm like excited. yourself oh thank you <laughs> and I'm excited for what's gonna come out of it well I'm excited too and and like my co-worker always says the waters of the world may divide us but wine is the the liquid that brings us together and I'm just like that's so true everywhere across the world so many people love to enjoy and consume wine and we might be separated by physical water but this liquid beverage right here is definitely uniting us all together I'm gonna steal that quote. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to finesse it a little bit more and refine it as to how it's actually supposed to go because I'm pretty sure I just butchered it but I will definitely text it to you no that is great no and it's true it's true you know there's there's no reason why someone shouldn't enjoy wine Mm -hmm. there's no reason why someone shouldn't be drinking wine it's just a matter of um, how do you bring them into this industry and Mm -hmm. um, let's be real wine has been a beverage that has fascinated society for centuries Mm -hmm. and it continues to do so and we just have to shape the story so that everyone feels included and everyone feels Mm. comfortable for me that also goes to how we describe wine how we talk about wine i love it when people tell me you know this reminds me of a flower that grows in the village i come from because that's what it is you relate to it yeah your perception of this wine should trigger memories Mm -hmm. it should trigger uh, thoughts of food or it Mm -hmm. should trigger your personal that cherry blossom tree that grew in your backyard that as you stick your nose inside this glass you're transported right back to to that moment to that moment and that's what what's incredible so i think you know our vocabulary of how we describe wine and just opening that opening up that dictionary and allowing Mm -hmm. people to say you got cumin out of it, that's great. That's awesome because mm-hmm. it exists. And if you're perceiving it, and as someone who uses cumin quite a bit in your cooking, <laughs> you, you're right, you know, and that, and it's your appreciation of the wine shouldn't be limited to the vocabulary that you've either been taught or that you're aware of. And so that is a huge aspect of wine appreciation that, you know, I hope that we, we talk about just being, allowing people to convey their perceptions in mm-hmm. a way that, they feel comfortable and it resonates with them yeah and just expanding our vocabulary of how we describe wine Mm -hmm. oh my gosh this has been amazing just sitting down with you and and chatting about all of this your journey what you're hopeful for um for anybody who does want to get involved or, or someone who wants to pick your brain who might be inspired just from listening to you or who wants to get involved and see how can i assist you you know in your journey with the batonage forum or with what you're doing with wine unify or anything like that what is the what is the best way for them to be connected with you? What are those next steps that, or advice that maybe you would give them? Um, for sure, with Wine Unify and Botanage, uh, the website's probably a great place to start. It gives a lot of information. So Wine Unify is www.wineunify.org. And with the Botanage Forum, it is www.botanageforum.com slash mentorship. And if you go to the homepage, you'll see a little tab right there, and then you can link on there. So we have an, um, you're, you're able to send emails via that. And if not, you know, come out to Signorello. You'll find me somewhere, on, <laughs> somewhere on the estate. And because uh, we have a fancy tasting room now, right? Yeah, yeah we do. <laughs> we have a, a great trailer. 
um, the fanciest trailer, the fanciest trailer in all of Napa. Uh, <laughs> but it works, you know. And I think it, it speaks to the honesty of the wines and what we're trying to do with the property. And so, um, come out and see us there. And if not, you know, find me on Instagram. What's the Instagram name? It's Priya D eighty seven. Priya D eighty seven. Yeah, heard it here. Yeah. I am sitting down with Priyanka French, uh, an incredible human being. Uh, first of all, uh, but then an amazing, amazing woman leading the charge of, of winemaking. She is the winemaker for Signorello Estate, has been uh, an incredible partner in terms of uplifting uh, people of color in their communities to really gain access to information uh, in this wine industry, as well as just opportunities, mentorship. So someone that you definitely want to make sure you continue sipping from her cup. Stay up to date with her. You heard it. Priya D87, if you want to go ahead and follow along on Instagram. And Miha, thank you so much for uh, joining me. Cheers. This was amazing. This Sauvignon Blanc that we have right here, it's a blend actually of Semillon <laughs> and Sauvignon Blanc, your first grape love varietal. Yes. Um, yep. This is amazing. You produce this yourself and, and I am loving this. The thank 2019 you. vintage, if y'all want to go cop a bottle and, and get a taste for yourself. <laughs> it's a big sip. <laughs> it is. A, yes. And we are sipping today. Today it has been my absolute pleasure sitting in this seat, sipping with you. Priya, thank you so much. Thank you, Gabby. And thanks for what you're doing. You know, I've heard the previous episodes with Mariam and George and the work that you're doing to highlight not just the incredible people, but the movement that exists in the industry. Thank you for using your platform to do that. I really appreciate it. It wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you, for all of you. So thank you (laughs) all for doing the work. Big sip.